0: where we interview number developers who are awesome, but not necessarily famous yet. Today, we have Michael Swanson. Do you go by Michael or Mike? Michael. Michael. Okay, awesome. And so go ahead and tell us a little about yourself. Uh, so how long have you been programming? Uh, where
1: do you live? Sure. So I've been programming uh, a little over a decade. Uh, I'm uh, based here in Austin, Texas. Yeah, started my career as a freelancer, uh, writing HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, trying to figure out PHP.
0: Ah, the good old days before Rails.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, and so then I, uh, I got a job at an advertising agency building uh, marketing websites using WordPress and some other CMSs and learned a little bit of Rails and a whole lot of, uh, a whole lot of JavaScript. And, mm-hmm. and then uh, from there, moved into software development. And so I've been doing software development for the past about eight years. Uh, mostly front-end, mostly uh, HTML, CSS, uh, some sprinkling of Rails here and there. Uh, I know about enough to break things and to, <laughs> to set up basic to-do apps. So
0: Awesome. So you were doing JavaScript before Ember, even before you called yourself the software developer. Yes. So how was
1: that? You know, I, I picked up jQuery back when it was jQuery and the Dojo and several of the other frameworks were all kind of battling it out. and um, Yeah. And I wrote a ton of JavaScript spaghetti. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have, uh, I've written a lot of, uh, of really long, you know, 500 line JavaScript files. And Ooh. Uh, yeah, so, so yeah, it was, you know, it was all a learning experience. And I, every time I go back and look at code that I've written, I, I see things that I'm ashamed of, and then I want to refactor. But, um, but yeah, that's a learning process, right? You get better and you go back and fix the things that you messed up.
0: Yeah, I've heard that if you look at your old code and you don't feel ashamed of it, that means that you're not learning enough. (laughs) Yeah, it's probably true. (laughs) But I mean, I know a way to hack that. Really? Yeah, by just writing code that you're currently ashamed of.
1: Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that totally works.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then you can convince yourself that you're learning. It's great.
1: (laughs) I like that. I like that. That's
0: good. Uh, So what do you do when you're not Embering?
1: Uh, when I am not embering, I do go work out. I just actually got back from the gym, trying to uh, trying to, to stay healthy and uh, stay in shape. I also do, I kind of do some woodworking on the side. I really enjoy woodworking and gardening. Just anything that basically gets me out of, uh, from being in front of my computer and like getting my hands dirty, feeling like I'm doing something more manual. Yeah. So uh, I really like to garden. I'm building a coffee table for our house right now. And-
0: oh, that's really cool. Yeah, because uh,
1: this job can definitely feel a
0: little bizarre sometimes.
1: It can, and it—you uh, know—my wife is always concerned that I spend too many hours sitting. So, anytime uh-huh. we can get up and go for a run, or, or you know, go to the garage and work on something, you know, that's kind of a good thing. So,
0: so standing desks haven't uh, gotten in the way of that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have a standing desk, and I, I try to use it, but you know, there's—you're still staring at a computer all day. Yeah. So it, I, Try to get out and have some sunshine, you know, get some vitamin D, things like that.
0: It still almost counts as sitting, even if you're at a standing desk.
1: That's true. That's true.
0: Because everything else isn't moving.
1: That's right. That's now, right. if we
0: had a desk where, like, the computer would wobble slowly, so it would, like, lead you through Tai Chi poses while you programmed...
1: That'd be all right. I don't, I don't know how good I would be. My balance is pretty bad, but...
0: Uh, you'd get better.
1: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs>
0: In a couple months, you might even be able to, like write a decent line of code without getting out of the flow.
1: Maybe, maybe, I, I don't know. I, I've seen those desks that have the, you know, the like the treadmill underneath them. And yeah. I'm not that coordinated. I'm afraid I would like fall over in the middle of trying to write some code, so. Right. So standing, standing still is about as good as it's gonna get for me.
0: Well, I feel like if you did it slow enough where it took like three minutes to go through an entire rotation, then you like just be naturally curving your body to what the keyboard was wanting. Like you do anyways, but now you'd be in a Tai Chi pose. Maybe so. I don't know. I don't know. I feel there's a huge market there.
1: You should build an Ember app that does that.
0: <laughs> I need a roboticist. That's true.
1: Yeah. I have a friend who, uh, who used to work at AMD that he might be able to help you. All right. We're going to pursue this.
0: <laughs> We're not actually going to pursue this. I have so many projects and I know, things that too. I actually know how to do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, enough about Tai Chi. You work for a company. Could you tell us a little bit about that company?
1: Sure. The uh, The company I work for is called Skills Engine. Uh-huh. Uh, actually a startup based out of Texas Tech Technical College. Uh-huh. And we are working with data from the Department of Labor, from job postings from several different places, curriculum uh, from different colleges to try and build a curated database of skills and occupations. Uh, and the idea is that, that we, uh, we want to have this curated database that we can then expose via an API and also via um, some apps that we're gonna build internally to help individuals write better resumes, help schools write better curriculum, all with the goal of helping, helping people get better employed and better trained. Um, so when they go out in the workforce, they get better paid jobs and, and are more successful. So the idea is that we're trying to empower people to, uh, you know, to increase their employment, increase their training.
0: So it sounds like you're helping match people to so they can specialize in what companies want. Yeah. Instead yeah. of just what sounds good as a degree.
1: Right. Yeah. So like I, I had a music degree uh-huh. from college and I love music, but my music degree is doing me absolutely nothing uh, when I come to Ember and try and write code. So the idea is that we want to be able to help people not only know what skills are in demand, but also help them get those skills, get the training they need to to be able to get the jobs that those skills uh, provide. So
0: There seems to be a divide that, between humanities and STEM. And people think, oh, if you're in STEM, then your degree will be in demand. But... I don't know that many physics majors that are working as physicists.
1: Yeah, I I think, you know, as we're kind of curating the data that we get from the various places, what we're seeing a lot is that there's kind of this comment, there's this disconnect between what industries, what people who are hiring talk about in terms of skills and what they need and what schools are teaching. You know, like physics is great and, and I I wish I knew more physics, but just knowing physics is not going to get you a job, right? Like how you apply that to whatever career you're going to do uh, is important. And so what we're trying to do is um, we're trying to create a common language for individuals, for educators, and for industry to be able to talk about the things that these jobs require. So because we're part of Texas State Technical College, we do a lot with workforce education. And so if somebody is a welder, there's a lot of like skills that are not unique to being a welder. Things like... Being able to use heavy machinery or being able to uh, have an eye for detail or or some of these, you know, these skills that are transferable across a lot of different occupations. And so the idea is that there's this language of skills that we're trying to build that that can be almost like modular components where you can you can take these skills and you can make them into a welder or you can make them into a teacher or you can make them into you know, a scientist, a physicist, whatever, right? And so, so there's this the, the idea is that we break we break occupations down into their lowest common denominator. This idea of skills, and then we can mix and match those things to create and and understand different kinds of jobs and different kinds of curriculum and different kinds of resumes and job postings and all these things. And so, right,
0: it sort of reminds me of like an RPG skill tree. Yeah, where it's not necessarily like. Well, in the older styles, like you are this class and you will gain the skills of this class. And that's also the older style of job as well. Like, oh, you're a welder, you will learn this set of 10 skills. And then you will be a welder for life. Yeah. But in the newer style games, you build on this tree and you pick and choose which ones. And so you can specialize differently.
1: Certainly. Yeah. And And the cool thing about what we're seeing in kind of the occupational science... Uh, you know, we have these, these IO psychologists that are analyzing occupations. And what we're seeing is that the job titles are very fluid and and what it means to be a thing changes, right? Like what it meant to be a well de- uh, web developer in 1995, when the web was first coming around is very different than what it means to be a web developer now. And skills change and and come in a, and emerge. And so responsive design is an emerging skill that has come up in the last five years, right? It, used to never appear on any job posting. It used to never appear on resumes. And now it's commonplace that you talk about, you know, what responsive design means and how how you use that in your career. And that's a skill that a that especially a front end developer needs. Right. And so or say the
0: skill of Ember.js. Right. The skill of Ember.js. <laughs> there were zero requirements for that five years ago.
1: Right. There was no nobody, you know, except the guys at Apple who are building Sprout Core had no idea, right? Mm-hmm. So it's very, very interesting the way that uh, that skills emerge and and we, you know, we reorder those skills and they create new occupations. And so that's what our company does is we're trying to kind of solve that skills, skills gap between educators and industry and, and individuals so that uh, so that people get the training they need and get the jobs that really help them be successful. Awesome. And so how do you use Ember to help you do that? So at our company, we're mostly a Rails shop, Rails backend shop. The API is, is all Rails. And so, uh, so we're using Ember. Um, we actually, I'm, I'm working right now to redo our marketing website uh, in Ember. I took, a, uh, took inspiration from the Ember Weekend guys, and, uh, and we're redoing our, our entire site with, with Ember. And uh, You're doing the marketing site before
0: the internal-facing site.
1: Well, yeah. yeah. Interesting. We're, we're actually, we're, we're working on, I'm working on the actual part of my job with my company is to be the UX designer, Uh but we're in the process of doing all of the UX and UI design for some of the internal apps. And as we're developing those internal apps, you know, right now, the only, the only thing that we have for sale per se from our company is the API. And so as we're kind of finishing up and finalizing that API and, and really getting version two of that API out to our customers We're looking at building a few more apps down the road, and so I'm working uh, with our team and with uh, with some some different stakeholders in the education world uh, to build an education alignment, uh, like a curriculum alignment tool for educators. And so that's happening in the background. Um, But in the meantime, we're revamping our website using Ember, that new tool, uh, which will be called Align. Uh, and will hopefully be out later this year, is, uh, is also going to be an Ember app. And so we're going to use Ember there to not only interface with, uh, with our API, but to actually build a whole front-end, a whole rich front-end for, uh, for that, that tool to help educators analyze their curriculum for skills, to align their curriculum with a target occupation so that they can be able to say, hey, I, you know, this curriculum trains a web developer. Well, what skills do a web developer require? Do I have all those skills in my curriculum? What do I need to add? And then in addition to that, it's going to let them send their curriculum out to industry advisors, to people who are actually in in the industry as web developers and say, hey, is this curriculum teaching the right skills? Are we we teaching students the right things so that they can be employed? And so that whole application will be built uh, on top of Ember and and with a Rails API backend.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a a really good use case for it. I'm curious for the marketing site. So... Uh, are you using FastBoot for that, or how do you get around the SEO problem?
1: So I haven't I haven't played much with FastBoot yet. Uh, right now, we're just in the process. Uh, the current site that's up there, if you go to skillsengine.com, is a uh, just a static website that's been generated using uh, I think we used Metalsmith or something like that, uh, one of the Node static site generators. Uh-huh. And so what we're doing is we wanted to convert it to a content management system, but since most of our front-end development work is going to all be in Ember, I wanted there to be consistency across all of the apps, including the, the Marcom side. And so what I've done is I've actually just created the front-end uh, using Ember and Mirage, uh, and I haven't played with Fastboot yet to see how, that, how that's going to work. I really have kind of been following along with the uh, Ember Weekend podcast guys on how they built Ember Weekend. Um, and really just trying to figure out how we can make that work because the the eventual goal is that we would use Contentful or maybe WordPress with just the WordPress API plugin to be able to have our, our team be able to edit the content. And then the, the Ember app kind of controls the display and the actual UI. And so, yeah, we haven't played with Fastboot yet.
0: All right, cool. Yeah. And it seems like the Ember Weekend guys have figured out how to
1: get SEO. They have, they have. And I think, um, was listening to one of their podcasts last week, I think, and and I'll probably play with FastBoot. Um, the first goal is to get it up there and get it right. working, and then uh, and then we'll we'll start adding FastBoot. And I'm excited to uh, to see how we can really make that work. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, there's not a whole lot of content up there yet. You know, we're still a pretty young company. We've only been around for about eight months, so that
0: is pretty young.
1: Yeah, how many people are on the team? So on the team at this point, there are five of us. Uh huh. Three developers uh the c e o or the the kind of he's yeah i don't i don't know yeah, what you founder idols yeah the founder basically and then and then a sales guy
0: awesome and uh so are all the developers ember developers I know you've got some rails people there as well
1: yeah we have uh, we have uh so the other two guys are mostly rails uh guys they're learning ember uh-huh I'm far and away the most the most heavy front end ember guy on the team so you're teaching them ember basically, trying. Yes. How's that uh, How's that working out? You know, as with any startup, right? Like we're all wearing multiple hats and everybody's right. crazy busy. And so um, we've done a little bit of Ember, uh, of Ember training just in, in uh, and helping them kind of understand that a router in Ember is not the same thing as a router in Rails. And, right. you know, kind of more talking about the differences between what Rails does and the way that Ember thinks about things. And so a lot of that has been kind of pushed off to like, okay, we're going to learn Ember, but... We've got to get the we've got to get the API and, and we've really been focused on that and that since that's all backend yeah they've been really focused on the rails side of the house for now right
0: so it's been hard to prioritize
1: it's easy to prioritize it's been hard to fit everything how about that
0: uh huh right it's hard to prioritize with Ember on top
1: right yeah <laughs> that's that's a good way to say the it. the
0: priorities are clear and Ember is not up there for right. their learning
1: right yeah right now they're uh, we're doing. Part of the curation of our API is uh, is some machine learning, and so one of uh, one of our our developers has been really kind of deep diving into machine learning and and doing a lot of that to try and get uh, try and get our API to be really a little bit smarter and to do some more um, some more kind of automated things that have been kind of a manual process at this point up to this point. And so yeah. so he's he's being he's kind of deep dive into that. Oh uh, yeah. And the other developer and I are are kind of just uh, he's he's doing mostly Rails and I'm doing mostly Ember. So we've kind of we've, we've kind of sectioned the team off. We've got the machine learning guy that's focused on that. We got the API guy that's focused on that. And then I'm the Ember guy that's focused on the front end.
0: You know, that's a good separation of concerns.
1: Yeah. So eventually we want to, you know, we all want to cross kind of cross over and learn what everybody else is doing. But mm-hmm. you know how it is with startups. You just you kind of you do what you can do as quickly as you can do it. And then you kind of learn as you go.
0: Yeah. And I feel like that's the same for any organization, really. Like everyone wants to reduce their bus number, but yeah. it's really inefficient in the short term to do that.
1: Yeah. And it's, you know, we've we've had uh, the opportunity to work with a couple of, I've had the opportunity to work with a couple of contractors that are Ember developers mm-hmm. to kind of help supplement some work that we're doing. And, you know, I think we're going to get to a place where we're hiring more um more front end and back end developers and and the goal one of the guys who's kind of the team lead he's very much uh, a big fan of figuring out how everyone can get exposure to both the back end and the front end and get experience there and yeah but yeah like you said it's you know you got to you got to do what you're good at and for business value and for getting things out there so yeah we, we haven't quite figured out how to do all that kind of cross-functional stuff yet but
0: uh huh. but you did mention you had a few Ember contractors how has onboarding them been
1: you know, it hasn't been that hard in my experience, at least, you know, the, those guys both knew Ember. We had personal relationships, uh, you know, they're friends of mine. Mm-hmm. So you already knew how to work together. Yeah. So we'd we'd work together at previous companies. Uh, and so we just kind of got to jump in. And that, that's that been really helpful. Um, you know, I, I appreciate the ramp up time of Ember and how quickly uh, you can get even just a basic skeleton of an app put together. Uh, You know, we did an MVP last year of uh, this Align product just to kind of test some theories and test some ideas. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, we got that bang together pretty quickly. And and it was pretty impressive how quickly Ember let us interface with our backend and, and get actual data from our API pulled into the app. And, uh, and to display it. And, and, you know, and it really gave our team a chance to look at how we can uh, we can enable our users to really work with our curriculum and work with our, our data to really help align their curriculum. So,
0: yeah. And uh, it's really cool that you guys have the data right there already. And I know even if you don't have that now with Mirage, you can just start something up really quick.
1: Yeah, and I've been totally impressed um, with Mirage. You know, I've, I've been kind of following what Sam's doing with uh, with the newest version of it. And I really want to move over to the beta and start working with kind of the JSON API and the serializers and stuff.
0: So what's new in the newest version?
1: The latest one that I heard, uh, or that I looked at was his O2 beta build. Uh, it looked like he has, uh, he has the serializers in there. He has all of the, basically all of the ORM and JSON kind of, it's ready for the JSON API happy path. And I, yeah, I've just been really impressed with Mirage's ability to really let me do a lot of stuff really quickly uh, in terms of just mocking data and being able to build my front end. And then, you know, and then getting to have conversations. We used Mirage to help me have conversations with the backend, you know, the API side, and say, "Hey, this is kind of what I think the structure of the API needs to look like for us to to be able to use it in the in the Ember apps." And so, it's been really helpful in that regard, and we've really it's kind of helped spur on some good discussion. So
0: awesome, yeah. I uh, haven't been using it lately, but when I've used it, I've been really impressed. I'm glad that it's updating for Ember Data 2.0 as well.
1: Yeah, he is. Um, yeah, smart guy, and I, I really I. I use that plugin on almost every time I open up an Ember app. I've got that plugin for either acceptance tests and 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 testing, or or you know, in the case of our MarCom site, it is the database. You know, we're using em- we're using Mirage in production, just like the Ember Weekend guys.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I I have done that on a little side site. Mm-hmm. All right. So we've talked about how awesome Ember is. What are some of the difficult parts?
1: So I think the most difficult thing that we're running into right now is um since our API is uh, is a product, it's something that we sell. There's the security uh concern of like how do we let our front ends access our API securely? Uh, you know, because you have secret and client keys and, and putting secret keys in a Ember app is basically very secure, right? Because it's easy to read it right out of it, right, right out of the client. So so, trying to figure out the best way to allow Ember to access these private APIs, and we haven't really figured out a good solution to that yet. You know, we've we've talked about using uh, was it CWT or JWT? I can't remember what the acronym is, but using like know. JavaScript Web Tokens. Um, oh yeah, we haven't really explored that a whole lot yet, but we've uh, we've thought about that. You know, right now the solution that we have is. And thankfully it works okay, but most cases where we use Ember, we actually have a Rails application that is backing the Ember application, and then that Rails application has all the secret and client keys and stuff to actually access our protected API databases.
0: Yep, that's mostly what I've done. Yeah. I mean, I guess a way around that is when you sign in, then it sends you that key to store in your session, so the key is stored... In I guess plain text, but it's only your key, right? So if you get compromised, it's only you getting compromised,
1: right? Yeah, we're we're still trying to figure all that out. We have um, you know, we're running into that problem on the on the new on site that I'm building. We want to have a a sandbox where users can go in and interact with the API and kind of right there in the browser mm-hmm. and see see what they're getting back and things like that. And so you know, we've had to create some ways to access our API that are you know in a s at a sandbox level that are kind of a little bit insecure. You know, we're gonna we're gonna bank a secret key into the Ember app that is the sandbox key, right? And it's very limited. You know, you can get like 10 requests an hour or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. So so it's definitely been a um been a challenge to figure out the best way to let Ember kind of access these private APIs. Uh, I yeah. think that's been the biggest challenge for us. And I, I, I really I started learning Ember, I guess a little over a year ago well, about a year and five months ago, actually. And at the time, it was, you know, I was learning on one, one zero nine, I think was what I was on. Uh huh. And so the biggest challenge for me with Ember is like trying to be a, a newbie in Ember in the midst of one thirteen and one twelve and the transition to one <laughs> oh was, it was a, like, it was like drinking out of a, out of a fire hydrant. I mean, you know, it was just like, yeah. It,
0: and it seems like it's a, uh, it's a slow motion one. And so, some yeah. of the things that we're told that we need to do aren't even available yet. Yeah. Like routable components.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So just trying to get my head around as a learner, trying to learn Ember, trying to get my head around the framework as it's changing so, so much in, you know, in those, in those couple of months mm-hmm. uh, leading up to the 2.0 release, really, you know, trying to get my head around it and then it kept changing and,
0: yeah. And that's definitely the biggest period of change we've had, except for the uh, pre-1.0 days.
1: Right. Yeah. And, I, and I've heard several of the core team members talk about, you know, the things that they learned from kind of the transition from 1X to 2X and how they'll do different uh, in 3X. And, you know, and I look forward to that. I, I really appreciate all the work they do and, and have a lot of respect for those guys. And and it's it's a huge project to try and undertake. and Yeah. And I, and the things that they've done, the changes they've made, you know, components are fantastic. Like it makes so much more sense and it simplified my code such, you know, vastly simplified my code to use components instead of having views and controllers and all this mess. And so
0: definitely, I remember, uh, trying to spend months trying to wrap my head around views and it never really gelled. Yeah. But now that components are there, it makes sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it definitely, it's kind of, um, the mental model has definitely simplified, like they talk about it, and I really appreciate that. And you know, and then there's this guy that does Ember Screencast and he he's pretty helpful in terms of his, <laughs> those concepts, and so I appreciate that as well. And uh, yeah, I yeah.
0: think uh, everyone should listen to him.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm a fan. I you know I I think it's worth listening to. So
0: awesome, maybe even watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just like you can turn it on in your car. It's true. You could. You could. Uh, like, like while you're
1: chopping vegetables. There you go. I leave, I leave them on when I'm programming Ember in the background. as kind of background music, you know? Kind of... <laughs> Just put one on repeat.
0: So like it gets you into a mantra. There you go. I'm going to, I'm going to start selling Ember meditations.
1: There you go. I, I like that. That's a good idea.
0: Uh, like I can take clips from like Tom Dale and Yehuda Cat speeches and loop them. Yeah, you could. I don't know how much that would sell, though. I don't know. You know what? I feel like I would give this away for free. Yeah, yeah. You probably would have to. (laughs) I mean, not because I have to. They would definitely sell, just because I feel everyone should have this. Maybe. Thank you for your support for this idea.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Not that that Tom and Yehuda's voices aren't soothing and calming or anything. I just...
0: I feel like once you hear it about 300 times, it really sinks in.
1: It's maybe true. Maybe if you could listen to it while you sleep, so that like it's like osmosis. You know, Ooh, you wake, yeah, up, you wake up and you're like an Ember Jedi master.
0: I feel like you would get into your dreams
1: and you just dream of Tomsters. Yeah, that's true. I, I feel like I have, maybe have had Ember dreams before, but it was more about Ember Code than the Tomster.
0: I mean, when I was learning, uh, I guess it was two and a half years ago. Now I had nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's possible. Because I promised someone a complex feature in one week.
1: Yes, I definitely have done the uh, promise a feature that you're not sure you can build.
0: In a framework that you've never used before. Yes, yes, yeah.
1: I, I have done that. Yeah. Yes, that's always a good way to learn a framework.
0: But I have not had Ember Nightmares since uh, like in a year or two. So this yeah. is a great improvement. This speaks volumes for how the framework has improved. That's
1: true. It has. It definitely has gotten better. I mean, the 2X version is infinitely better. There's so much less to learn. Yeah. So. And no more bind adder. Yeah, no more bind adder. Services are awesome, by the way. I love those. And components save my life more than once. So I'm still trying to figure out how to make uh, like the whole parent-child component thing and the communication between those two things. Uh, we still, we've run into issues with those sometimes, but oh,
0: with the uh, closure actions.
1: Yeah. So I haven't gotten to have play with the closure actions. Supposedly that fixes that the... helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So like you have an, a list of accordions and you want all of the accordions to be in one component. And then each can, each accordion is a component. Right. And how do you talk to like, how do you talk to that list? So I hear closure actions make that better, but I haven't gotten to play with those yet. Yeah. So.
0: Cause you can pass a lot more information and do it a more fine-grained.
1: That's good to hear. Yeah. That's good to hear. So.
0: Yes, there are screencasts on that. I will probably
1: go watch them when I get ready. Awesome. They're actually uh,
0: some of my most popular ones. There you so go. I should just yeah. keep on making ones about closure actions. Apparently,
1: somebody is going to talk about closure actions at the Ember meetup next week. Oh, that's exciting. So, uh, so I'm excited to hear about that. All right, then. Uh, I will see
0: you there. Yes. All right, and before we go, are you guys hiring? We are not hiring at this point. All right, will you be hiring in a week or two when this
1: comes out? Probably not. Okay. Probably not. We're um, we're kind of stable right now. We're probably going to hire some contractors here in the next several months, but nothing immediate.
0: All right, cool. Well, uh, sounds good. It's uh, great to hear that some people, some teams are satisfied with all the developers they have.
1: Not really satisfied, just can't afford to hire any more people. <laughs> 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 all right. <laughs> I mean, we're always, we're always looking for great people, but yeah, we're kind of we're kind of
0: Yeah, you kind of got to pay your own way.
1: Yeah, the the money right now is kind of like, okay, we have all the developers we can afford to hire.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. All right, cool. All right, well, thank you for coming on.
1: Yeah, thanks, Jeffrey.
0: This is the end of the show but here's a message from our sponsor. Our sponsor who happens to be me. So I run imberscreencast.com. If you're an intermediate level developer, then this site is for you. So you've read your introductory book and you're ready to get started, but you're not quite into reading the source code yet. So I go and I explain some of the basics, but I also explain cool add-ons, and some intermediate to advanced topics as well. So go ahead and check out imberscreencast.com. Two screencasts released every week for the intermediate Ember developer. I hope to see you there.